You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. In this podcast, Future Net Zero editor Johnny Bairstow speaks with Andreas Atkins, electric vehicle product and business development manager at Centrica Business Solutions, as they discuss why you need to start thinking about electric vehicle adoption, not just for your net zero targets, but also for your bottom line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Future Net Zero podcast. I'm Johnny Bairstow, and today I'm talking with Andreas Atkins from Centrica Business Solutions. Uh, how are you, Andreas? Hi, Johnny. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Very well. As you know, Andreas, today we'll be talking about all about electric vehicles. But before we do that, could you please introduce yourself just to tell some of our audience who you are and what you do? Yes, of course. So yeah, hi, my name is Andreas Atkins. I work for Centrica Business Solutions. I've worked for the business for 18 years now and had the the fortunate role of playing a lead or if not prominent role in our interest in electric vehicles since we started back in 2012. So and the journey for me has been nine years now. Very interesting. Of course, I've not only had the, the fortune of seeing our business develop within Centrica over that time with regards to EV, but also the industry, of course. Um, I remember back in 2012 when we started, there were just 1,200 electric vehicles that were sold in the UK. Seems a distant past now. Yeah, things have changed somewhat since then. Yeah. Um, so th- thanks for the intro, Andreas. Uh, and let's jump right into it. So generally, I think it's it's, it's a good point to start on. We, we talk about electric vehicles as a bit of a given sometimes, but what should the average business be looking at when thinking of installing charge points? Because it's not all as obvious as it seems, is it? Yeah, that's correct. So if we just go back to the start, really, so the reason for this change is regulatory and health. Businesses want to make a statement and a move towards reduction in in their carbon emissions. They have to tackle the transport sector. About one third of carbon emissions comes from the transport sector. So between transport and energy, Um, All businesses need to start to make some changes. And this is for their employees. This is for guests. This is for customers, um, visitors to their sites to to accommodate all of this. People will charge their electric vehicle wherever and whenever the vehicle parks. So it's important that there are charging facilities that that are offered at home, on street, public charging depots and at workplaces and and destinations. Um, Some businesses with fleets will need to transition their fleet to electric. Um, There's various various different fleets. There's a return to home fleets, which we have in British Gas, um, which comes with with its own complications. And there are also return to depot fleets, so the likes of the the Royal Mail, where they go back to um, a single depot. So, Andreas, as a business, if a business has made the decision to shift to electric vehicles and they've made that decision, what's next? Because they need to consider a variety of things to make sure that they do that transition in the right way, because that's a pretty critical move, isn't it? That's correct. Yeah. So each business use case is, is slightly different. So it does take a more consultative approach to understand the best solution for, for your business. The way I look at it, there's four main concepts to understand that will help with that direction. Um, number one is what are the differing use cases for the electric vehicle chargers on your site? For example, you might have a requirement for your fleet vehicles. You might have a requirement for employees, perhaps taxis and guests arriving at the site. 
And what's important here is the average stage duration of each of those vehicles, because that informs the charger type that's required. What I mean by this is that if you have an employee that's going to be parked all day, eight, nine hours at the site, that informs um, a certain type of charger with a lower power requirement, which means there's a lower cost to your energy consumption on site, as opposed to perhaps a fleet or if you're operating taxis um, where they need to refuel and quickly move on again. That's number one. Number two is then to think about how many electric vehicles are on the site and how, so how many vehicles that you need to cater for. And there'll be a decision um, over time with this. So, so there's the at the onset, because this is the third point, is understanding the market uptake of electric vehicles and make sure that you create a long-term plan looking forwards five, 10, even 15 years, if you can afford that. Um, and then ensuring that you are installing the relevant electric vehicle infrastructure, charging infrastructure on site to accommodate the number of vehicles and the types of vehicles, as we discussed before, that will be arriving at the site. And then the fourth, the last point, of course, all of these electric vehicle chargers and electric cars are creating electricity demand on the site. So you need to think about the electricity capacity you have on site and how you might help accommodate this. Um, there's a couple of methods. So you can look at increasing the grid connection and or you can also look at clever load balancing software um, with the software within the chargers that will schedule the times that vehicles charge to try and minimise the, um, the impact at any one moment in time on the electricity demand. So the solutions that you're offering are very bespoke, really, depending on, on the client. Yes, exactly. And it really does take that, as I said before, that consultative type approach, understanding the business what their operation is, what their customer needs are, um, and then the suggestions and the solutions come off the back of that. Perfect. And what what has Centrica done in this space? Because you've got the British gas fleet transition happening, uh, but what are you doing at your sites and for your own employees? Yes, yeah, so we've actually we're actually practicing really practicing what we preach here. So as I said, we started this back in 2012 with our we have our third largest commercial fleet in the country. In the main, it's a British gas fleet that that um, people will know and love. We have 11,000 vehicles, but we started with 100 all electric Nissan Leafs back in 2012. They are actually the first of those that the prototypes that we had shipped over from Japan. And so we've, of course, learned a lot over the years. Um, we've just recently, as announced in the news, purchased a thousand more um, all-electric vans. I believe we have one of the largest um, electric fleets in Europe now. And the ambition is to try and convert all 11,000, certainly by 2030, if not earlier, if we can. We have about 120 charging sockets now across our Central Korea estate, and this is to help our employees and guests who are visiting the sites to convert to electric. We have um, electric cars on the company car scheme. Currently about one third of all the electric vehicles on the company car scheme are electric. We also have some pool cars. So employees can go on like the book in the meeting room and they can reserve some of the pool cars and they can um, get to try and test and use some of the electric vehicles. I think that's important, isn't it? That your own employees and your own business have gone through this process of making the uh, electric switch because you can offer you can identify issues uh, that your clients are likely to have in advance and help them overcome these obstacles as smoothly as possible with your own experience. Yes, exactly. And that, that's um, both the commercial fleet 
and in in the workplace setting and and we actually use our offices as a bit of a um a test bed for some of the new products and services we'll see a problem because we're experiencing it ourselves we will try and source that solution either build it ourselves or in collaboration and partnership with others in the marketplace complete the solution and then able to take that out to market to help others as well um so for example some of the load balancing that we've tested at our Windsor site where we're able to actually over install charges according to the, the spare capacity we have but that's managed by software that never lets all of the charges go above the spare headroom that we have so we have 40 actually we have 40 charging sockets at the Windsor office now back in 2017 we had two so that's just an example of if you build it they really will come yeah that's that's amazing growth in that time frame and so so you mentioned that you've got the third largest commercial fleet was it in the country correct yes some of our audience might be thinking, you know, this is great uh, for a business of your size. You've made fantastic progress and you've been able to do all of this. But what about smaller or medium sized businesses that might not have the money or time necessarily to undergo a transformation like this? What do they do? Yeah, so there is help out there and not everyone has to do this as quickly as we do. Um, it can be baby steps, but I think it's important that all businesses really do start to think about this if we're truly going to achieve carbon zero here in in the UK. So for example, there's options for businesses to wrap the cost of the charging infrastructure up into the cost of the the vehicle. So this is true for both fleets, if you're running a commercial fleet operation, also um, things like company car schemes and uh, and the like. The, The leasing companies now are starting to take into account what's the cost of the vehicle, what's the cost of installing a charger, whether it's at your home or at your workplace, wrapping that total cost up together, and, and it's a simple lease payment, so, so it removes the upfront cost. There's also options to seek the external funding. So there are companies out there that will help fund, um, whether it's just a traditional lean uh, lease or loan, or there are businesses out there, and, and, and we are doing this ourselves as well, where we're willing to invest in the infrastructure. We will pay for the charges and install them, and then sell back the usage of those charges through the electricity that's consumed. So again, there's no upfront cost for the business. They just pay per kilowatt for usage of the electricity for every time they charge their vehicles. Um, And there's also ways that businesses can become what we call semi-public charging locations. So the charges that they invest in on site, they can open them up for the public either out of hours all the time or, or at certain specific times. And they can then monetize those. They can sell, again, sell the electricity through those charges to members of the public. They can start to get some return back from that investment that they've made. And also the government has um, some schemes in place. So OLEV, the Office for Low Emission Vehicles, has a workplace charger grant. There's up to 40 charging sockets on the single site. um, And you can get a grant that offers up to £350 each socket, up to the, uh, the 40 and then also businesses can even think about renting out car parking bays on sites. So if they have car parks that are not utilised, completely utilised, there's options there to rent out the bays, again, for other, charge- for other businesses that are willing to rent those to install electric vehicle chargers for the public use. I think certainly destinations are ideal for this. Pubs, hotels, gyms, even hospitals, actually, and, and, and the traditional car parking businesses. Anyone that's got a car park, where you've got members of the public that are looking to visit, um, there's options to, to monetize that underutilized space and at the same time offer charging infrastructure on the site that will be privately invested in. So there's a few different options out there, Johnny. 
Yeah, I think that's something that people don't always consider, isn't it? You think of electric vehicles as, okay, we've got to switch to electric vehicles so we can use less petrol and diesel and save the planet that way. But people obviously don't always think of the uh, financial implications of it and how they can use this technology to kind of change their business model and you know become more profitable, actually. Yeah, and, and this comes back to this consultative approach that we spoke about earlier. And, and you're right, in, in, in the right frame and the right type of organisation, it can actually earn money from the investment in the electric vehicle infrastructure. And uh, I've got to ask you the, the million dollar question, as they say. Do you really think everyone will be driving EVs um, anytime soon? Because we've, we've got to reach net zero by 2050. So we're going to need to see some pretty widespread uh, shifts and EV adoption across the market because you know 30 years isn't isn't that long away to, to shift the entire real estate of cars across our roads is it? Yes I, I really do believe that will be the case um, we talk about percentage of of electric vehicle sales what we really want to understand is what we call park which is the number of vehicles that are actually on the road the most prominent forecasts are indicating that by 2029 so only only eight years now 20 to 30 percent so a quarter so getting close to a third of all the vehicles on uk roads by this point will be electric and i think professional drivers so fleets and taxis will see this happen much sooner and um, we've already seen the example of our own fleets which um, we're hopeful we can convert entire our entire fleets 100 percent by 2030 if not sooner um, we're seeing more and more taxis on the, on the roads. There are thousands, for example, of the um, the London electric taxis now uh, on the road in, in London. And buses possibly even sooner than this. So that the, there are some thoughts that about a half of all the buses will be converted to electric by 2026, so just in, in five years' time. And all of these, of course, are going to have huge Im- impact and um, positive impact from a carbon perspective um, on the carbon footprint. And as we get more electric vehicles onto the road, issues such as range anxiety, I imagine, are going to become less and less of an issue, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. So long gone other days back in 2012-13 when, when the, the first electric cars on the road, the, the range was around 50, 60 miles. Um, the norm is going to be two to 300 miles um, for a battery. The technology is changing so much. Um, there's so much more infrastructure that's out there. People tend to think that they drive further than they actually do. In fact, the average journey is about 30 miles a day that people do. Yeah, there's. Uh, I think most EVs can handle a lot more than that, can't they? Exactly, yes. Um, the, the new vans that we bought, actually, the commercial vehicles, they can handle about 220 miles off, off one battery charge, which is normally enough for um, a day's shift for our, our engineers. Well, perfect. Uh, I think that's a ringing endorsement of electric vehicles. And I look forward to catching up with you in the future, Andreas, uh, hopefully before 2030, just so we can discuss how things have gone. Yes, that'd be great. I look forward to um, another catch up. Thank you, Johnny. Perfect. Thanks, Andreas. Speak soon. Bye-bye. You have been listening to a Future Net Zero podcast, along with our partner, British Gas. This has been a promoted podcast. Thanks for listening to this Future Net Zero podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet.